stand by podcast. Podcast, go. everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of On Headset, the stage management podcast. My name is Becky Reed, and I'm your host. To learn more about the podcast, you can check us out on Tumblr at On Headset, or follow us on Twitter also at On Headset. Today, I'm going to be talking with Julie Manassian about the life of a freelance equity stage manager and the differences between working in New York and working in other cities. Julie is an equity stage manager living in New York City. Yeah, it's so thrilling. (laughs) So our introductory questions first, Julie, if you want to tell us a little bit about what your stage management education was like. Well, I went to Ithaca College uh, which does not at the time, and they have in the past, uh, doesn't have a specific stage management degree. So I have a BA in drama, which is now also called something different. I think it's like theater studies, but that's like the catch-all degree in the theater department at Ithaca, where you could do like directing, dramaturgy, and then the stage managers were in there. So it ended up being really good. Um, we stage managed all productions by ourselves um and we did you know like six day a week rehearsals we did 10 out 12 tech it was like a crazy intense and way more stressful than like I've ever found real life to be but came out really prepared um and while I was in college I did an internship at Barrington Stage in the Berkshires and that's the only internship I've done um yeah came out of school after four years and hit the ground running so you've been freelancing since you graduated yeah I've been freelancing since I graduated which is so amazing um I was a year and a half two years ish non-equity um I'm coming up on my fourth year anniversary of being in equity which I did not know I keep congratulations thanks I keep being up like oh it's I've been in the union for two years and I'm like nope no I've definitely been longer than that and did like pretty well being like doing going from gig to gig it's kind of now that I'm at like a higher level of stage management and being equity but not being old enough and like not staying in the same region for the same amount of time it's like getting harder to go gig to gig freelance um so I do a lot of temp which is whatever it's kind of the life and you get to know it excellent and so what are you working on anything right now I'm not we just laughed about this. Yeah. I literally yesterday um, finished. I was a PA on the cabaret tour with Roundabout. Um, and uh, that just ended yesterday. I was the New York City PA. So I they're heading out tomorrow to go to Providence to tech. Um, so I said goodbye. But uh, the exciting thing was Candor and Masteroff were there. So it was like, ooh, yay. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It was amazing. Definitely like musical theater geeked out. That's that's great. Yeah. And so now you're... Now I'm looking for work. Uh, I've been back in New York for about a, a little over a month. And it's just, like, funny. The thing with New York is when you're, like, pretty young and, like, getting restarted. Because I haven't been here in a couple of years. 
I've done three shows so far since I've been here, and everything I've done I got within like a week's notice. So like I've had some interviews for some things coming farther out, but like who you never know what's gonna happen, and that's kind of New York for you. Yeah, which yeah, is terrifying, but yeah, I feel you. like that's the same in. Like, anywhere you go, like, yeah. you're gonna get the same, like, the same kind of, like, you only, you're only getting offers when you don't need them. Exactly. Or, like, right at the last minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Julie, what is the best item in your stage management kit? Okay. I've been thinking about this one, and I don't really have a best item because I have to be honest, I haven't used my kit in so long because most theaters provide you everything you need. Right. So I like I have not dragged my kit out in a really long time. Um, I mean like like not from an actual like usable standpoint, but like I have a bright yellow fanny pack that lives in my SM kit that I wear during tech, and I think that's like pretty amazing. That's um, a pretty that's a pretty good idea. That's a pretty baller. Uh, I like I bought myself a like a portable paper cutter, and that's like that's amazing, and I use that all the time. And that's kind of I guess that's really one of the only things that most people don't carry around with them. And when I do carry things around, I have that. And but yeah, I don't like. I never use it, and I spent so much money on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm the I'm the same way. I have like a little bag that is yeah. just like the stuff that I want that has like my phone charger and like the kind of pencils that I like to use, rather than like the Dixon Ticonderogas that are like in the absolutely in you know that the theater provides. Yeah, I remember in college, um, our my like first show I did, our stage manager brought us out to, like, build our kit, because, you know, you get to college and you're like, what's a kit? I don't know. Um, and you spend, like, so much money, and, like, you build it up, and I've never had a more well-stocked kit than I did in high school, which, like, granted, I had to use a ton of it in high school, which is, like, BS, because you have to pay for it yourself. Yeah. But, um, yeah. When I actually, my uh, senior year of college, I convinced the theater department that they should pay for the kits. They absolutely and should. And so I I got to go and stock six kits from scratch with, like, everything that we would need in them. And then um, there was, like, a checklist of everything that's supposed to be in it. And then, like, the stage manager and the ASM for each show would check them out at the beginning of the rehearsal period and then check them back in when the show was over and would, would have to, like, fill out the form with, like, anything that we needed to restock. And I feel like that's the way that most, that's, like, schools should do that. It's not fair for the student stage manager to have to pay out of their pocket to provide pencils not. for the student actors. But no. that's, like, my soapbox. But that's that's just your opinion. Yeah, that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Um, which is why... <laughs> Like, when I got to the real world, and they're like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> and I, like, brought mine into, like, the first, like, professional job I did. Like, I mean, like, non, like, not non, small, non, like, not included, because most of the time you have to bring your own stuff. Yeah. But, like, at an actual theater, and they're like, oh, no, honey. We, like, we've got, we've got that. Yeah. So, like, my kit's kind of turned into my, like, do-it-yourself home repair kit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I have, like, all of the stuff in, like, stacking drawers, you yeah. know? And, like, if I need, you know, when I need tape, like, in my personal life, I go and, like, get it out of there. Yeah. But I don't really, yeah, I don't really use it that often. No, I did, like, a workshop uh, a couple weeks ago that was, like, not really theater, so they had no idea what was going on. And that, I, like, I brought my kid in for that, um, like, the, the PSM. <laughs> she, like, had a kit, and the 
production management, like, the GM office kind of gave money for stuff, but I ended up bringing my own stuff in, because, like, they didn't think to have anything when we got into the space. My last general question for you is, do you have a pro tip for our listeners? I got a pro tip. Um, I mean, like, one pro tip that's not, like, a, like, a life stage management hack, but just, like, like, everyone needs to be reminded that we work in theater and not, like, nuclear missile testing, and, like, it's not that serious, unless you're, like, working on Spider-Man and, like, it's actually that serious, but, like, (laughs) most theater is not that serious, and, you know, if, like, something goes wrong, like, yeah, it's, it's a big deal at the moment, but at the end of the day, you're, like, you're gonna be okay. Yeah. You're gonna be okay, especially for kids, like, I wish... Someone in college told me that because I spent, like, so many nights stressed beyond belief about, like, this one theater show that, like, I was going to get an A on anyways, and I got, like, a .5 credit for, and it was a college show, and I was so stressed out, but, like, it's not that serious. Yes. I think that's a great It's going to be okay. I believe in you. You can do it. Julie, you've worked recently in D.C., and now you're back in New York. What is the what is the biggest difference you've seen between working in D.C. and working in New York? Or working anywhere else in the country, I guess, and working in New York? Um, politics can be different. It's, it's weird in that I've gotten some feedback from people that, like, in New York, you have to have experience being a New York stage manager to work in New York. Which just, like, basically, when I was, like, you know, sometimes you're, like, what the, what the hell does that mean? I don't understand. Right. Like, right. I've worked at some, like, pretty good theaters across the country, and I've had way more responsibility than just, like, being a PA, but... And it's basically, like, you know, where this, like, store where you can get this organic, non-fat, whatever, like, green drink at is. I'm, like, really? Like, that's what a phone is for. Like, yeah, you have that's what the internet, that. That's what the internet is for. Yeah, and that was... That's, like, really the most frustrating thing to me, is that... I, you know that, like, you're probably a better stage manager than most people out there, but you all have to start from the bottom if you're back new in New York, which is, like, being a PA, which is fine. Like, it can be frustrating because I've worked as, like, an equity ASM for a long time and, like, PSM equity shows and worked at decent theaters and made, like, pretty good money and then having to come back and make, like, $300 a week um, being a PA. But to be told that, like, you're less qualified because you haven't been back in New York when, like, you're like, I but I have real-world experience than this 22-year-old that just graduated from NYU and have been here for four years. Like, right. I actually know how to stage manage, and so that that's, like, my little New York rant, is that that's, like, and I talk to a lot of young people about this, and that's, like, extremely frustrating when you're like, but if you just give me a chance, I'm, right. like, really good at my job, and you could, like, trust me if something goes wrong to, like, fix it and, like, not make an ass out of myself in front of, like, good directors and, like, designers and general managers and stuff. But, so that's that's my rant. Um, but in general, just, like, the way things are structured, like, if you're working at the bigger theaters, like, like, you don't really see general managers that much in the regional atmosphere who do, like, a lot of the hiring where you might, like, if I was working in a place in D.C., I reach out to the production manager like, here a lot, like, GMs do the hirings, you, like, send them that, like, that kind of thing, and then just, it's really, like, a networking game, which is kind of, it is, like, you learn deep down, it's kind of what every city is like, but New York more so than others, because so many people come in and so many people want to work, that if you, like, want to work on, like, Broadway, or you want to work on a tour, like, at some of the bigger off-Broadways, 
you have to, like, know the PSMs and, like, know the general managers and, like, you just have to be in their mind. And I feel terrible always, like, networking is never comfortable. Yeah. It's always uncomfortable and you feel bad. But, like, you have to keep in people's minds because, like, a job could open up and whoever they talk to last will be fresh in their mind. I mean, like, oh, this person, I'll reach out to them. Right. So that's, like, been a big adjustment is, like, I haven't been back here since I worked for Theater Works, which even then I only really worked for Theater Works and did, like, one off-off-Broadway show and, like, subbed one or two places. So it's, like, rebuilding a network, which is frustrating. But that's, like, any city like, when I moved to D.C., like, you got me my first job because I knew you. Oh, right. <laughs> um, at Theater J. Um, and then I, like, lived there for a year and, just, like, was just starting to make connections when I decided to move back here. And, like, that's literally when I decided, started getting job offers at places. And I was like, are you kidding me? It just, like, it took a year for these connections to come through. And then I decided to move back to New York because, like, who doesn't want to try for, like, the Broadway? Um, and now I'm getting job offers and this is B.S. Yes. So, but that's just, like, a law of theater, right? You're going to, like, move away, and then all of a sudden, that's just, like, a law of life. And then yeah. things are going to start working out for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, like, it's cutthroat. There's just, like, there's so many people in New York and so many deserving stage managers who are, like, not working. Do you have a war story you want to tell? Um, yeah. I have so many war stories, and I don't even know where to start. Um, so my, like, very first war story was when I was an intern at Barrington Stage, and my very first professional production was Spelling Bee. Um, That's a fun show. It was so much fun. And so there was, it was a, P, the PSM, the equity PSM, and then four interns, and we were, like, ASM, we got paid, like, $100 a week, and it was just the four of us, and we were the backstage crew, um... And it was just, like, it was an amazing experience because you're with, like, you know, some, like, young Broadway actors. It's a really young cast, so they're all really nice to us. And there are four audience participants, so we ended up doing all the audience participation parts in rehearsal. Oh, and it was, yeah. like, a good-named director, and um, Bill Finn, who, like, wrote the show, was in residence there. So, like, he was in rehearsals, and you're just like, oh, my God, I'm 19. This is crazy. Um, but so it's a show that, like, anything can happen because you have four audience people so, you, like, if someone gets out before they're supposed to, like, you kind of know what you're doing. And we had people who'd done the show before on tour. Um, I think they, like, understood on Broadway. So, they, like, they're kind of old hats. But the one thing we could never predict is one day, every speller got out in the first round. Oh, no. Like, like, one guy spelled cow wrong. And we were like, first off, how do you spell cow wrong? Like, I don't understand. And they just kept giving them progressively easier words to spell to be like, some, like ha- someone has to stay in. Or, like, we have to, go, we don't know what to do. It's like, I felt cow wrong. We think he must have, like, felt like he was supposed to get out. Oh, yeah. But, or he was, like, trying to be a ham. And, yeah. Like, we don't know what happened, but everyone got out, like, basically right away. And there's just silence on stage after they, like, sang the goodbye song and they left stage. Because everyone was like, what do we do? And so I remember the conductor, like, picked up the phone in slow-mo. We, like, see him on the conductor cam because my side of the stage was, like, right behind the pit. It was just like, uh, and the stage manager was like, um, so we're gonna like cut basically to the end of the act, <laughs> and one of the actors came running out because he he was chipped, so he uh. was the first to get eliminated from the like dudes on stage, the dudes, the actors, um, <laughs> and he normally had time to like get ready for my unfortunate erection where he entered from the front of the house. 
but because the audience got out, they like had to cut all these numbers, so he immediately had to come out and do that number, basically. And I was like, what are we going to do? There's no way he can get to the front of the house in time, because that theater you had to go uh, down to the basement and like all the way under and like back up and around. So they're like, okay, he's going to enter from the main doors backstage, so just like, we're going to try and get the message to him, but if not, just catch him and like send him back there. And so I did, and he like tried to like, was physically trying to push past me, being like, no, I can make it. And I was like, no! Being like a 19-year-old intern having to like tell this professional actor who'd like, you know, like been on the tour and like been on Broadway, like, like, no, you have to freaking listen to me. Like, move, move to this door. I don't care what you're saying. The stage manager decided this, so like, that's what you have to do. Um, and yeah, just like physically being pushed aside. And it was just, like, it was just wild. Like, no one could have, we, like, had no idea what to do. It was... Yeah, I, I feel like the script is structured so that, like, that can't happen. Exactly. Like, who spells cow wrong? Who spells cow wrong? So it's just, like, every, it's just, like, everyone, they thought so fast on their feet, though, and, like, in, like, they just redid, like, um, uh, Life is Pandemonium, because you're supposed to have two audience members and they had none. And so, oh like, completely, gosh. like, redid it and, like, you know, like, picked on Coney Bear, and that was just, like, that was my first professional show ever, and I, it was just, it was just crazy, because you had, like, a bunch of college kids backstage being, like, the ones people are talking to, and they, like, right. never leave stage, the actors never leave stage, you're trying to, like, get anyone's attention to, like, try and relay messages back and forth to them, it was, like, it's wild. I think this is something I still struggle with in my career, is the imposter syndrome feeling. Julie was a 19-year-old intern telling a veteran actor, you need to listen to me now. And I feel that way all the time, whether it's when I'm running the deck as an ASM and I have a crew member who's been working at that theater for years, or if I'm talking to an actor who's been working in the business for longer than I've been alive. You have to have the confidence to tell yourself, I'm the stage manager, I know what I'm doing, and I'm taking charge of this situation. This is the point in the show where I would normally answer a question from one of our listeners, but since this is the very first episode, we don't have any questions yet. If you have a question about stage management that you would like to be answered on the podcast, send us a message on Tumblr at OnHeadset or send us an email at OnHeadsetPodcast at gmail.com. And since I don't have a listener question to answer, I'm going to tell you one of my war stories. the very first professional shows that I stage managed was this show that had 17 different scenes, I believe, and we almost never were in the same location more than once. It's one of those shows. Um, And our set, it was beautiful um, and really ingeniously designed. uh, We had three stationary platforms and then four mobile platforms that sort of could move into different positions and acted sort of as bridges to get from one of the stationary platforms to the other. And all of those platforms moved around basically between almost every scene. Um, And then we had different furniture and props and stuff for different scenes on the platforms. Um, And all of these movements were totally actor driven we had no crew i had no run crew backstage at all zero run crew and um 
So we spent a lot of time in tech working on these transitions and we finally, finally got them in the final preview. We got it perfect and we're no more changes. This is what it's going to be. And it looked fabulous. They were just really beautifully choreographed and the lights looked fantastic and it was just really great. And um, so the day of our opening performance, about three o'clock in the afternoon, the show is at 7.30 that night, and at three o'clock in the afternoon, I get a phone call from the lead actor. And uh, I answer the phone and, and he, he said, do you want the good news or the bad news? And I said... Well, the good news first, I guess. And he said, well, the good news is it's not broken. And I said, what's not broken? And he said, my ankle. Um, so he had sprained his ankle very badly uh, earlier that day. And the doctors told him that he needed to be on crutches. But he said he put his, he, he put his ankle in a brace like a like a hard-sided brace and he said you know I can walk on it okay but I'm not going to be able to bend down and push one of these moving platforms or or carry a chair across a moving platform to get it off stage and so um I spent the next two hours uh re- assigning all of the scenic moves and all of the furniture moves that he had been assigned. And I called all of the actors and luckily everyone was available. They all came about 30 minutes early and we rehearsed new scene changes the night of opening. Um, and with that also came the realization that there were some actors you know, now they're, they're doing more scene changes than they were before. And so we ran into a couple of times in the show where an actor, they had, you know, done a scene change in character as they're exiting. You know, they're in the scene and then the scene is over. And in the transition into the next scene, they're involved in that transition. And then they're not on stage again until they come on a few scenes later as a different character that we've never met before. So they had maybe 15 minutes to get changed. Well, now we need them to be in the scene changes that are in between there, but we don't want to see them as the character that we've never met before. So now the actors are having quick changes on opening night that they have never rehearsed because they had 15 minutes to make this costume change before, they could go all the way a million miles away to the dressing rooms. But now they only have maybe a minute and a half to do this change because they need to be in the quick changes or in the scene changes beforehand wearing their previous costume. So we also had to work all of that out on opening. But luckily I had time to go through and reassign everything. And amazingly, uh, everyone sort of came together in a like the show must go on kind of way and everyone was very concerned about our lead actor and his you know sprained ankle and wanted to make sure that he could heal properly and so we actually ended up using this version of the transitions for the rest of the show because it took so long for his ankle to heal that by the time he was comfortable carrying furniture or bending down to move up 
to push a platform, everyone had the muscle memory for the new transitions now. So the thing that I really learned from this is it really drove home the fact that the stage manager is responsible not just for the technical elements of the show, but also the artistic elements of the show. We had worked so hard to make these scene changes something beautiful and something artistic and something with a purpose that I couldn't, I knew that I couldn't go back and reassign all of the moves willy-nilly. It had to have a purpose and there still had to be a flow to what we were doing um, particularly in the costumes that we didn't want to see actors come out as characters that we had never met before because that ruins it ruins the moment for the audience so I think that was something that was actually a really fantastic lesson to learn so early in my professional career So a huge thanks goes out to Julie for being my guinea pig for the first episode of the podcast. You can follow Julie on Twitter at jmanass, J-M-E-N-A-S-S. I'm sure you also want to hear more about what it's like being a touring stage manager and the differences in rehearsing a show for tour versus rehearsing a resident show. Don't worry, we'll hear more from Julie on our upcoming episode dedicated to touring, so stay tuned for that. I also want to thank my good buddy Stu for letting Julie and I take over his apartment to record this interview. And a huge thanks to Adi Stein for all of his logistical support. Adi is one of the hosts of Highly Unreasonable, which is a weekly conversational comedy podcast that you should definitely check out if you're in the mood for a laugh. Thanks for tuning in to On Headset, the stage management podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at On Headset and on Tumblr, also at OnHeadset. If you have a question you'd like to hear answered on the podcast, send us a message on Tumblr or send us an email at OnHeadsetPodcast at gmail.com. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and fellow stage managers, and also leave us a rating and review in the iTunes store. I'm Becky Reed, and this was On Headset.